0: This is Day 34, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible. Exodus 10 and 11, Leviticus 8, and Psalms 50. Exodus 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials, so that I may perform these signs of mine among them, that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, and that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, said. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so that it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail including every tree that is growing in your fields. They will fill your house and those of all your officials and all the Egyptians, something neither your parents nor your ancestors have ever seen from the day they settled into this land till now. Then Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials said to him, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Do not not yet recognize that Egypt is ruined. Then Moses and Aaron went, were brought back to Pharaoh. Go, worship the Lord your God, he said, but tell me who who will be going. Moses answered, we will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, and with our flocks and herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh said, the Lord will be with you if I let you go, along with your women and children. Clearly, you are bent on evil. No, have Only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you have been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over Egypt, so that locusts swarm over the land and devour everything growing in the fields, everything left by the hail. So Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt, and the Lord made an east wind blow across the land all that day and all that night. By morning, the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all Egypt and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left after the hail. Everything growing in the fields and the fruits on the trees, nothing green remained on tree or plant in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to the Lord your God to take this deadly plague away from me. Moses then left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord changed the wind to a very strong west wind, which caught up the locusts and carried them into the Red Sea. Not a locust was left anywhere in Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days, yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. But Moses said, You must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. Now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the peoples. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, This is what the Lord says, About midnight I will go through Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of the female slave, who is at her hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. Leviticus 8. The Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron and his sons, their garments, the anointing oil, the bull for their sin offering, the two rams and the basket containing bread made without yeast, and gather the entire assembly at the entrance to the tent of meetings. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the assembly gathered at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Moses said to the assembly, This is what the Lord has commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. He put the tunic on Aaron, tied the sash around him, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. He also fastened the ephod with a decorative waistband, which he tied around him. He placed the breastpiece on him and put the urim and the thummim in the breastpiece. Then he placed the turban on Aaron's head and set the gold plate, the sacred emblem, on the front of it, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it, and so consecrated them. He sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all its utensils and the basin with its stand to consecrate them. He poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then he brought Aaron's sons forward, put tunics on them, tied sashes around them, and fastened caps on them, as the Lord commanded Moses. He then presented the bull for the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on its head. Moses slaughtered the bull and took some of the blood, and with his finger he put it on all the horns of the altar to purify the altar. He poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. So he consecrated it to make atonement for it. Moses also took all the fat around the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver, and both kidneys and their fat, and burned it on the altar. But the bull, with its hide and its flesh and its intestines, he burned up outside the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. He then presented the ram for the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on it, its head. Then Moses slaughtered the ram and splashed the blood against the side of the altar, He cut the ram into pieces and burnt the head, the pieces, and the fat. He washed the internal organs and the legs with water and burnt the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt offering, a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. He then presented the other ram, the ram for the ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on his head. Moses slaughtered the ram and took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Moses also brought Aaron's son forward and put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ear, on the thumb of their right hand, and on the big toe of their right ear. Then he splashed blood against the sides of the altar. After that, he took the fat, the fat tail, all the fat around the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver, both kidneys and their fat, and the right thigh and from the basket of bread made without yeast which was before the Lord he took one thick loaf one thick loaf with olive oil mixed in and one thin loaf and he put these on the fat portions and on the right thigh he pulled all these in the hand he put all these in the hands of Aaron and his sons on the altar on top of the burnt offering as an ordination offering a pleasing aroma a food offering presented to the Lord Moses also took the breast, which was his share of the ordination ram, and waved it before the Lord as a wave offering, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood from the altar and sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and their garments. Moses then said to Aaron and his sons, Cook the meat at the entrance to the tent of meeting and eat it there with the bread from the basket of ordination offering. As I was commanded, Aaron and his sons are to eat it. Then burn up the rest of the meat and the bread. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are completed. For your ordination will last seven days. What has been done today has was commanded by the Lord to make atonement for you. You must stay at the entrance to the tent of meeting day and night for seven days and do what the Lord requires so you will not die. For that is what I have commanded." So Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord commanded through Moses. Psalms 50. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him, and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me this consecrated people, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice, and the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is a God of justice. Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall, or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice, thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call on me in the day of trouble." I will deliver you, and you will honor me. But to the wicked person God says, What right have you to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips? You hate my instruction, and you cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you join with him. You throw in your lots with adulterers. You use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue to deceit. You sit and testify against your brother and slander your own mother's son. When you did these things and I kept silent, you thought I was exactly like you. But I now arraign you and set my accusations before you. Consider this, you who forgot God, or I will tear you to pieces with no one to rescue you. Those who sacrifice, thank offerings, honor me. And to the blameless, I will show my salvation. Okay, so as we continue, it's just hard to read. It's hard to understand, um, but I'll do my best based on the commentaries and and people that have inspired me um, to see things. Just a reminder from our last day session where we qualify things like what might it mean when it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart and when it, you know, these different animal sacrifices and how that can seem so gruesome and confusing. We talk more about that in previous days. But today, I want to focus on a couple of other things. And if I had to title today, it would be freedom from and freedom for. Because sometimes I think we think too much about being free from something, and maybe we don't think enough about what we're trying to be free for. Like, what's the purpose, right? So, um, what about the 10 plagues? What are these all about? Let's review that. I don't think it's about punishment as much as it's about Yahweh God being a sign and signaling to the world that he is more powerful than all false Egyptian gods and that he is also more merciful always offering a way out, a way to avoid um, some sort of punishment, and a way forward, a way towards purpose. God wants to free us from our idols and the things that enslave us. And I don't know about you or if you've ever had, I mean, in the New Testament, uh, you know, it's sometimes referred to as a thorn in the flesh, but the things that we don't want to worship sometimes or that we just spend too much of our time consumed with or thinking about or this sin or problem that we are engaged in all, all the time or very frequently, right? It, it feels like it controls us and like no matter what we do, we can't um, free ourselves from it. And that's what God is offering. That is what the story is about. It's that he is the savior and, can, and is big enough, sovereign enough to overcome, to overwhelm, and to separate us from all of those kinds of idols and enslavement that have us. Right, so the last plague coming up, though, in our, in our next story in a little bit more detail, but we started it here. It's one of the hardest and most uncomfortable, to me anyway. Yet I have to reflect on this plague um, of the firstborn son in the context of this story. So the story started with Pharaoh killing Hebrew baby boys just for coming into existence. And so we contrast this to what God is doing here. God is asking for the release of his people and offering a way out where no one has to die. God is not taking vengeance for the sake of retribution on the Egyptians for killing Hebrew baby boys. Even further, God is offering an additional mercy that if they, as an individual, a family, which we'll read about more tomorrow, they put on display in the Passover, their trust in God, and he will, and his will and his ways, through their participation, then their sons will be spared. This is a far cry different from what Pharaoh did, and it is exactly this contrast that puts God's character on display. He is a God of justice and mercy not vengeance with no recourse. Father Mike Schmitz reminds me that God will free us how he will, and God will not let us have whatever relationship we want with him in our freedom from, because he is giving us freedom for a purpose. Sometimes I think, like I mentioned in the beginning, that we only tend to focus on what we're free from or getting free from something and not what we're trying to be free to do. And God will call us to have the type of relationship and community that he is asking for us in this purpose. He's asking for our trust in his immutable character and his wisdom. This doesn't mean that God is taking back the portion of authority and power or the Genesis commission to rule and subdue, but we completely corrupted our understanding and practice of it as humans. Uh, Reference every story we've read up to now, right? Uh, When we are in this state, Individually and or collectively, God must rescue us and redirect us to the way of flourishing, the way of being in His image and bearing His name that honors the way He ordered us to be in Genesis 1 and 2. Restoration and redemption are required if we're able to be in a special place, in a special relationship, in a kingdom with no end, where we are called to a purpose to rule and subdue, putting His character on display, and being a living invitation to others to participate. Marty Solomon and Brett Billings from the Bema Discipleship, uh, a ministry of the Impact Campus Ministries, they describe Leviticus chapters 8 through 10 as being all about the priesthood. And then the Holiness Code is zoomed into in chapters 11 through 15. It helps to respond to the question, what is a priest? So Marty Solomon states a priest is someone who puts God on display, helps people navigate their atonement interceding on behalf of others, and distributing resources to those in need. Zooming into this story, Leviticus 8, it's all about Moses commissioning Aaron and his sons to priesthood for the purpose of commissioning the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. So cool. Especially when you think about the fact that Levi, which is uh The Levitical tribe is what Moses and Aaron are from. So Aaron and his sons would be from the tribe of Levi. Levi was Jacob and Leah's third son. I think it was the third one. And Levi was the one who suggested selling Joseph and killing and killed all the men of Shechem along with his brother Simeon after they learned of their sister Dinah's violation by the prince. It is his descendants that God is restoring and redeeming as the first family to be the family to bring in all the other families of Israel into the way of priesthood. For me, there's just something so awesome about who God is and what he is capable of in terms of restoration and redemption. Again, he equips the called. He atones anyone who's willing to be in his appointment. There is no, like, not you, you're not good enough, none of that. Like, he's putting on display this very fact that the family he chose to be an exemplar come from a line of non-exemplary people, right? And so for me, it just is such a testament to who God is. And this induction of God commissioning Moses, who commissions Aaron and his sons, and they commission all of Israel follows the pattern where God appointed Adam and Eve to the Garden of Eden, and the hebrew language is similar there to describe their role as priests in a temple which is the garden and they're blessed in their appointment for the purpose of blessing others so we're seeing this this pattern that's continuing and i'm just reminded of how often as a professor, as a teacher, how much more sometimes I feel like I learn when I have the responsibility of teaching. And I I kind of feel like he's built this into us because this model of God commissions us to commission others, it puts that responsibility of teaching on all of us. And then I also think of some of my earliest jobs and the training. And there was this, you know, where I, they trained me, then then I shadow them and then they shadow me and then I go and train others. It's this process that I think um, helps to refine all of us. And I see elements of that in how God is commissioning people to commission people and to, to teach to make this kingdom of priests that help each other to flourish and also hold each other accountable.